0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 82nd episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I'm your host, Zach Ponsack, alongside two of my friends this week with perhaps the worst artificial beer slurping noise I've I've ever heard in my life. Uh, we're joined by, of course, my co-host Adam Goffin, as well as a good friend and longtime friend of the pod, Sam Canig. Lads, how are we doing tonight?
1: Uh, footsie Zach, special guest, Sam Footy.
2: Thanks for having me all a big fan of the podcast. Uh, it's an honor to be here.
0: It is an Great honor to, have, to you. have you, it is an honor to have you, Sam. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Why did I choose you on the pod? No one knows, but maybe you can provide some context for it.
2: Yeah, Zach and I are our lifelong childhood friends. We, uh, as everyone did in an American household growing up playing FIFA 09 through FIFA 14 whole uh, city was my team and they have been my team since pretty diehard fan in the premier league league one and the championship since then uh it's a big time in their in their uh in their season right now so we gotta we gotta make sure that uh i'm keeping
0: you all updated yeah really really excited about it especially with recent news that everybody all all football fans of all walks of life around the world should have been paying a, a close attention to which is the the takeover of whole city by a, a Turkish millionaire and that it times really well that we're having you on the pod in this episode as that that buy has been completed and we're we're excited to hear an update on you know who this mystery man is from Turkey and, and what his plans are for the club so it'll be it'll be good to get to that in the pod today
1: yeah I'm excited to hear more we've definitely got a lot in common here Sam with our multi-millionaire owners Perhaps we have a little bit more affluent owner than yourselves in whole silly city, but we, we can we can get together on this one and kind of <laughs> band in our newly newly found purchasing of our club, I guess. Yeah. The difference between just the entire country of
2: Saudi Arabia and uh a Turkish media mogul is a is a couple of figures, but uh but hey, either way, the, the comparisons are real and uh I'm here to here to convince some Newcastle fans that holds the team to support in the championship. So I'm
1: excited awesome yeah I, I, I like right. steve bruce as well hull, hull city i was gonna and say during the past steve yeah. bruce, we got that link too. sam well,
0: sam, is, <laughs> sam is a steve bruce apologist and it's the one thing about him that i don't particularly care for
1: <laughs>
2: steve bruce was by far the most legendary uh manager in modern whole history brought us the most glory with a europa league appearance and an fa cup final um same tactics that he used at Hull and Newcastle, just worked at one team and didn't work at another. So what are you going to do? It's <laughs> a very fair and, way. To and by again. same tactics, you mean
1: no tactics, right? <laughs> Absolutely none. Flying <laughs> by the seat of his <laughs> pants the entire time. Hey, he's made a career out of that. and he's uh, He's got more money than all three of us combined, so good for him. That is true. That is true. Uh,
0: okay, so before we jump in today, I'll give you a kind of a quick look at the agenda. Uh, of course, Adam will start us off with his EPL trivia question. Uh, we're then going to switch it up a bit, and instead of diving into the most recent Premier League matches, uh, we are going to look at our preseason predictions for end-of-the-year awards. And now that we're at about halfway through the Premier League season, just over halfway, we're going to be looking back on those predictions and seeing – Ah, uh, between Adam and myself, who was right, who was wrong, and if we think we want to hold with our predictions or change any of our guesses, kind of kind of take a do over. Uh, Sam, i I look forward to any commentary you have on uh, our picks of year of months past and and what you think will will kind of happen as we uh, progress to the remainder of the Premier League season. From there, uh, I will be recapping AFCON, the African Cup of Nations, which I've been paying a very, very keen eye to. Um, One of the advantages of of working from home is the ability of pretty much always having an AFCON game on my television in the background. So uh, we'll, we'll get everyone up to speed with what's going on in that major tournament. We'll then take a look at the relegation battle that is now up to about five teams, I would say, um, with recent progress made by the two teams at the bottom of the table whose names begin in the letter N. And then after that, uh, we'll take a quick break, give the mic over to Sam for his holistic whole city update, uh, and then wrap it up with 10 to 90 in the end of the trivia question. Uh, Before we get started, anything you guys want to say?
1: Nothing on my end. Sam, any words of wisdom
2: before we get this pod kicked off? Got to save some for the rest of the episode, Adam. All right.
0: I like it. I like Let's it. Do it. Uh All right, Adam. EPL trivia. What do you got?
1: EPL trivia. All right. So this is an interesting one for you guys. Um, it's not the date. It's the team. So who were the last team to field an all English starting 11 in a Premier League match? I think I know the answer oh. to this question. Interesting. Okay, I will give you some clues as we go through the pod, including when this last happened. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking okay. for the team name and not the the date this happened.
0: Sam, do you have any? Do you have? I think we will be doing a few clues, so we don't we don't need to necessarily guess right now. But do you have a, any any ideas off the top of your head?
2: I feel like I can make a few like educated educated guesses here. There are just some some teams that bleed bleed Britain lead England through and through and my heart, my heart goes to them. I feel like just going like a classic, like Manchester United could be a good guess. Something. I'm not locking that in yet, but, but maybe after a couple clues, I can, uh, can figure it out. What do you think, Zach? Beautiful.
0: Yeah. I I have a couple ideas as well. I definitely have a short list, but yeah, I'll let, I'll let Adam kind of tug us along here and then we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it later in the pod. Keeping the
2: cards close to your chest. I
0: see. Yep. No clues yet. (laughs) <laughs> no clues yet. Uh, all right. All right, Adam. Uh, let's let's go into our mid-season awards. So uh, to to kind of preface this, there are, uh, what is it, seven awards that we predicted at the beginning of the season, or maybe six awards that we predicted at the beginning of the season, and one <laughs> glaring omission. Uh, so we'll, we'll be going through uh, Adam and my prediction from, from August for Golden Boot, Young Player of the Season, Player of the Season, The first manager sacked a little bit less of an award. Uh, The relegated teams, definitely not an award. Uh, And then the champion of the Premier League, the one thing that we did forget, uh, but we'll be going over here, is our prediction for manager of the season. Um, So yeah, Adam, let's start with Golden Boot. What what is it looking like right now? And what what did we predict at the beginning of the season?
1: All right, you're going to rub this one in my face. I can tell already. And by the way, folks, you're probably listening thinking mid-season award... Chelsea have played 24 games. I say back to you, listeners, Burnley, 18 games, not even midway through their season yet. It's been a strange one these last few, few months. But yeah, Omicron has taken its toll on the Premier League. Anyway, I digress. Back to the golden boot. Mo Salah, currently leading the league in goals on 16, next closest person to him on 10 goals. Unlikely, I would say at this point, that probably anyone would catch him. My prediction... Shockingly at the start of the season was Sir Harold Kane to be top scorer. He currently sits with five goals, not looking likely that that will happen. And Zach, you predicted Mo Salah as you are a, an African Cup of Nations homer.
0: I'm an African Cup of Nations homer. And I'm also a, uh, a hot take expert that Mosala is the best attacking player who's ever played in the Premier league. So the, the these things are coming together nicely for me. Um, and if I remember correctly, Adam, I think that I think that I was I think that I was leaning towards Harry Kane, but with the instability in his summer, I, I just had a weird feeling about it. And this isn't to rub it in your face, because like it, it was a bizarre start to the season for Harry Kane, and a lot of it I think came down to Nuno and those kind of regressive tactics. But um, I got to be honest, I I didn't necessarily expect Salah to be producing at the rate that he is, uh, but happy to see that taking place.
1: Yeah, I actually listened back to the episode, Zach. It was episode 73. And when we were predicting it, it was in the height of the rumors of Kane going to Manchester City. Um, so we all thought that Kane was going to be starting the season up top for Pep and his team with Kevin De Bruyne supplying him. So that's kind of where that came in. That, that's and it, true. Yep, mm-hmm. And that transfer yeah. didn't go through, as we all know. And he's had kind of a a horror season for, for Spurs, if you will. Proving a little bit recently, but um, not markedly so.
2: One was obviously a good prediction from my vantage plan. One was quite, quite a poor one. Uh, <laughs> while I understand who do you think you would
0: said, you know, Tim? a wonderful thing. Said?
2: I was kind yeah, of exactly. hoping for for another breakout season from from Leicester this season. So I, I might have picked Vardy at the beginning of the season as kind of like a, a dark horse here. Um, probably yeah. would have been my, my
0: guess as a, to keep it interesting. Do you know who's yeah. been unbelievable? Is is Patson has been scoring in bunches for Leicester recently. Patson Daka has been unbelievable. And uh, how many does Vardy have? Is he at nine, I believe, or is something close to nine? Um, yeah, I have to listen I look Fred that up me. right now.
1: How many? Yeah, those are penalties I mean, that, as well.
0: That is that is a good. Yeah, he is at nine. Uh, nine and sixteen mm-hmm. matches. I think. I think an interesting thing that we have seen this season across the board with a number of players is. You know, a much lower goal total for certain individuals, or Mm. the complete lack of goals for individuals who may have been picked. Uh, Another name that comes to mind immediately, probably the biggest name in the media of England right now, uh, is Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, a player that not only wasn't scoring and was injured, but has now gotten entirely frozen out of that team. And I think personally, if Arsenal. If Arsenal can sell him right now, it would be a really good move for them to get that money off the books. Um, but yeah, we, we have, you know, you have him, you have a number of players from Manchester United, Greenwood, you know, Rashford are not bagging in goals. It's It's been a weird season for for kind of the most elite goal scorers.
1: Yeah, I would, I would lump Lukaku in that conversation as well. I think he's somebody that we were pretty excited oh, yeah. about at the start of the season. Um, hasn't done a whole lot, lots of injuries, to be fair. Um, But even when he's played, I haven't thought he's looked that fantastic. Yeah. All right. On to young player of the season. Um, Interesting one, this Zach, I'm going to throw this one back at you because you just rubbed my face in golden boots. So enjoy this one, my friend, who did you pick for young player of the season?
0: Yeah, no hindsight is a very funny thing. Uh, I think Jaden Sancho who, who at this, Point in time, uh, how many matches has Manchester United played? They've played 22 matches. Uh, Jim Sancho has appeared in only five of those matches, with a single goal and zero assists. Um, I mean, despite the fact that Manchester, Manchester United is the worst team in the top five right now in terms of what we are seeing them produce on a game by game basis, um, and I I was, I I am pretty shocked that just kind of how disconnected a lot of that team is so yeah i will fall on my sword there sancho sancho is not aging well as a prediction
1: yep and then for me i went for gabriel martinelli i'm feeling okay about this one actually 14 appearances four goals and two assists i thought he's having a decent season so far probably when you think about like younger players at arsenal i think only ahead of him maybe in credibility this season would be emil smith rowe would be the only Emile person Smith-Rowe, i would list there. I,
0: I i think he's mm-hmm. gonna win young player of the year i i think he is he is my new prediction uh for for young player of the year him or is ruben diaz still like under the threshold no he's not okay no or foden, yeah. it, foden I, i'd say foden or smith rowe mm-hmm. are currently my predictions
1: yeah foden is actually the bookie's favorite to win it he won it last season as well so he's he's yeah. a Odds on to repeat. Uh, I would say another player I wanted to shout out here, who I think's having a fantastic season on loan from Chelsea at Crystal Palace, is oh, Connor Gallagher. Connor Gallagher. Ooh. Connor Gallagher is so good. Mm-hmm. Nineteen appearances, seven goals, and three Ooh. assists. So uh, he's he's setting it on fire there at Crystal Palace in a poor team. Imagine with better players around him, what he could do.
2: How young do you have to be to be considered as
1: youngest player of the season? Is my question. It's
0: uh. Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's you have to be under 23 years of age when the season begins.
1: Correct. Yeah, exactly. And Trent Alexander-Arnold's won it previously, and I think he's ineligible to do so now. He's yeah, 12. he's
2: 24 now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have thrown out uh, the only Jared Bowen, who is just having an incredible season. In he, a, in, born
0: in 97, He's I lighting believe. it
1: up. But I was going to he, say, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's having he a might great be, season. He
0: might be... He might be a little – yeah, he's 25, so he he's just over that mark. But, yeah, yeah. he's been unbelievable uh, for Hull. I'm trying to think of other players that that might – at this point, like halfway through West M, yeah. <laughs> yeah or, 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 well, just like – I'm just trying to think of other players. Oh, wait. Sorry, did I say Hull? Uh, you said he's you know, been amazing he, for
1: Hull this season, yeah. He's, he is oh, the ex-Hull oh, player
2: that I had to shout out because I do have ex-Hull talent in the Premier League right now, which,
1: which oh, you cool probably have I was going to say you probably remember this, Sam, but he was heavily linked with Newcastle at one point, and we didn't stump up for him. So he was uh, well, regret, he went regret forty mil. So I mean, he was a, he was a hefty price tag at the time. To be fair, we can pay pay that for Joe Linton though, so we can afford it.
0: That's true. Um yep. Yeah, I'd, I'd say maybe one other shout that I have, I, Pat daka I, I would say probably ha- creeps into that category. I know mm. that he's under twenty three, uh, and then maybe the one other person um again I, I don't know exactly where he falls but if mason mount is under that age limit probably probably put him in the conversation as well
1: yeah and interestingly another chelsea player um reece james is the second favorite to take home mm-hmm. the trophy this season so it's uh foden on in first and that's reece james in second and then i believe uh third was connor gallagher for bookies favorites gotcha
0: Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been a fun one so far. And Jaden Sancho is
1: definitely not going to win that award. <laughs> so you, do you want to stick with Jaden Sancho or do you want to switch to somebody else? so, who is that Zach?
0: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Emile Smith Rowe on this one. I've really enjoyed watching him play for Arsenal.
1: Uh, and
0: yeah, I'll, I'll go with him.
1: Good player. I'm going to stick with Martinelli just because I feel like I should, he's doing, he's having a decent mm-hmm. season. Maybe he explodes second half of the year.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. On to player of the season. This is an interesting one. I'm curious to hear what you have to say in terms of if you want to move your prediction here, Adam, at the beginning of the season, you predicted Virgil van Dyke, who has had a fantastic year so far, 20 appearances, 11 clean sheets, two goals and an assist. And I predicted Kevin De Bruyne, who has dealt with a, a few injuries this year, but in the 17 appearances, he has had he has had six goals and two assists so I'll start out with you Adam do you do you feel the need to change your prediction
1: I don't um I actually feel like Liverpool are playing pretty well this year they're within touching distance they're a game behind and they'd be six points off the pace if they win that game in hand but I just want to I want to go ahead and point out in 38 games last season Liverpool without Virgil van Dyke after the injury conceded 42 goals we're now 22 games in with 16 to go And they've only conceded 19. Uh, I just feel like this is a much more stable Liverpool back line. He's the captain of that team. And I think that, you know, he's getting on a bit now. He's in his 30s. He's finally turned 30. uh, But he's just, he makes such a difference to them. I think even from a striking standpoint, they're just a lot more fluid in terms of their goal scoring this season because they have such a solid base to build off of in defense. And I think that, you know, a lot of people will probably switch. um, A lot of people will probably say, I should say, that Mosala is going to be player of the season, given his goal scoring prowess and what he's doing for the team. But he wouldn't be doing that if it weren't for Virgil Van Dyke's stability at the back. Mosala was the yeah. elephant
2: in the room. I was surprised that neither of you selected him at the beginning of the season. Although, can't really go wrong with uh, Adam. Your pick and Zach. I'm sure you're about to get into yours. So,
0: yeah, I. I mean, I. I think that. I think that Salah will win that award. I think he'll win it easily and and pretty convincingly. Uh it is interesting. I I mean, yeah, I mean, neither of our picks were by any means like off the pace, but like as, as was my pick for, for young player of the season. But I think that Salah is just producing at at such a rate right now, both goals and assists. Um, interestingly enough, I was talking to a Liverpool Uh, Liverpool friend of mine who says that he thinks that at times Van Dijk hasn't even been the best center back for Liverpool this season Mm -hmm. he's been saying that uh, on on different games he has seen Matip and Konate as the the better center backs of the two which is interesting I feel like Van Dijk has been a little more guilty of making some errors than he was in years past but obviously he's still a world-class center back
1: yeah, and Konate's a player as well. We talked about him in preseason as being somebody that can kind of come on. I've heard that Klopp's super happy with him and his development. So, um, interestingly, Zach, uh, my pick Virgil Van Dyke has one more goal than your young player of the season pick, Jadon Sancho, on the season. He's a <laughs> that is true. That is true.
0: I, I'll 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 eat my words there. That's a fair point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gotta give you shit. Sorry, um, but yeah. So Virgil Van Dyke, twenty appearances, eleven clean sheets, two goals and an assist. And then for you Zach, um, Kevin De Bruyne.
0: That is who I guessed. Yeah. That yep. that was my prediction. I I would say I think Salah will win the award. So i I guess I would change it to him
1: now. Yep. Yeah. So I was giving you the option to opportunity to say 17 appearances, six goals, and two assists, but pretty good from a statistic standpoint for KDB this season. Bookies' favorites right now, Mo Salah, number one favorite with the Bookies. Kevin De Bruyne number two, Zach. So got to give it mm-hmm. to you there. Um, he's, he's up there. Any guesses as to who's third favorite right now? I'm going to guess Edward Mendy. Incorrect. Sam? Okay. Uh, uh, I don't know.
2: Ronaldo. <laughs> Obviously not. It's no. not Ronaldo.
1: <laughs> if, I, if I were to say the best right back in the world, because that's being a know. very contentious t- t- topic of conversation right now, who would you say?
0: alexander arnold yes that's exactly i would it. say so trent- I, I would say akraf hakimi is the best right back in the world right now um, but he does <laughs> not is, play in the Premier so- league
1: <laughs> and that is what killian mbappe would say as well so that's true yeah it is it is um <laughs> yeah, yeah trent uh, alexander arnold third favorite there mm.
0: okay i like that two liverpool players that's why yeah. um impressive impressive that they have two players in the top three and they're yet are not going to win the league it's pretty unbelievable um yeah, that's that's just it is what it is, I guess. Um, team sports, I might say. Here. Some might,
1: some might say that. I will, I will take this next one here. First manager sacked. I think, I think we should be especially proud of this one, Zach. So, oh, yeah. wind back the clock to August of last year when we made these initial predictions, and our logic was Watford loved to fire their managers, so we both said first manager sacked would be Cisco Munoz. It took them until October 3rd, not even a month and a half into the Premier League season. (laughs) In comes Claudio Ranieri, and this past week, gone Claudio Ranieri, after a pretty horrid, horrid of form as well. Um, But now we've got Roy Hodgson in at Watford, which I think was a very astute bit of business by Watford. They will be cutthroat if he doesn't perform. I'm a little bit worried, though, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, about how much of an impact that he could make there. He's a super smart manager and somebody I think who will get the best out of the players they currently have there. Mm
0: hmm. I, so, so we did, I, again, as you said, we did both accurately predict that Watford would be the first to fire their manager. Um, I, 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 I'll kind of present a question to both of you here. What what managerial hire do you think was more destined to fail? Rafa Benitez at Everton or Claudia Ranieri taking over a toiling Watford? Because I think that you could very easily, like I think Rafa has been getting a lot of the headlines because you know the Liverpool connection and the kind of seemingly 5-10 years past uh like the game being kind of past rafa benitez in his style but i think renieri was one of the worst hires i've ever ever seen in my entire life i think that was so so stupid for Watford. so I'm, I'm curious to hear what both of you have to say sam what who do you think was was a worse hire the day that it was completed
2: I've never thought that Rafa Benitez should have been the manager of Everton. Uh, his his tactics have never have never fit that. What I describe as a mostly just like gritty football club, just like getting, getting the job done. It never made sense. Uh, I, I'm going to go with, I mean, both are terrible choices, <laughs> but I, I'll go with Rafa.
1: Yeah, I'd 100% agree with you. It's agent Rafa. It's got to be, right? You know, Ranieri's stock has fallen and plummeted, um, but Rafa Benitez came into that club as a former champions league winning coach at their biggest rivals up the street Liverpool. Um, what do you expect? Like what, what, what was the expectation there that like the only way he would have turned that around was with the results. And even then there would have been people that would have hated that guy um, just because of the yep. nature of who, who he is and what he's done previously. So he's Liverpool through and through. Um, there's only one team that I think are, are going to, uh, there's a sorry. There's only, there's only one um answer to your question i should say and i think it's rafa benitez i think that the, the question around ranieri coming in it was a th- last throw of the dice if you will for watford um it backfired but i don't think they had any great expectations of him coming in and necessarily overperforming it's nothing like the leicester team that he won the premier league with is it? yeah yes i i
0: agree with you i think ultimately rafa was a worse hire but like to, to hire ranieri to try to save a relegation bound club and then also fire him before <laughs> hire him after the transfer when after the transfer window and fire him before the transfer window has completed is a pretty hilarious sequence of events. Like you, you literally yeah. gave the man no chance to, to put his uh, print on the team. So I, I mean, Watford, this is what they do and it's kind of coming back to about them now.
2: How many yeah. managers have Watford had since they've entered the premier league? That's a good trivia question for you, Adam.
1: Yeah. So I can tell you that their last season in the Premier League, they had four different managers over the course of a Premier League season got relegated. This season, they're on to their third one. So even in the last two <laughs> Premier League seasons, they've gone through and churned through seven managers. <laughs> it's so, I painful. mean, it's, yeah, it's probably going to be a huge number. I think it's got to be in double digits, right? Yeah. It's it's
0: crazy. Do you have this fact in front of you right now, Sam, or was that kind of just awesome? I don't.
2: Also? I was
1: doing... Just toss
2: that out, but that that sounds right. I could do, do a quick Google search here.
0: Yeah, I mean that's like for a while it worked for Watford, right? You hire a manager in with a specific intention and a, kind of a specific function, and then when he achieves that, you you move on. They did that with with Nigel Pearson. You know, hired him. They he got them promoted, and then they fired him because they were like, "Perfect, you you did what you needed to do, and you're not the guy to manage us in the Premier League." And I I just yeah, I I don't think it's 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 been an interesting strategy to watch. It's kind of this like money ball type approach of we know better than all the other teams, but now, now is the time where it's really not, it's really not coming together. Um, But we'll see if we'll see if Roy, we'll see if Roy can be the man to keep them in the Premier League.
1: (laughs) He really needs to retire. That dude's like in his mid seventies. Like it's not good for his heart at this age. Yeah. 74
0: Mm -hmm. years of age.
1: All right. Next topic then relegated teams, teams to go down this season. Mm, kind of a mixed bag here. I, yeah, i would I would say, um, interestingly, both of us predicted Southampton would go down this season. We should never have doubted Ralph. should we? They're in twelfth position yeah. right now, currently sitting ten points off the relegation places, although not my favorite person in the world. um Ralph Hasssennhoodle, after some recent controversial comments specifically directed at Newcastle. Um I, I do think that you know they will be comfortably safe this year. So my predictions were Southampton, Brentford, and Watford. Zach, yours were Southampton, Norwich, and Watford. Don't tell me, Sam, that you thought Brentford were going to be as good as they were going to be this season. Come on, you'd be lying. If- <laughs> <laughs> they clearly were doing the money ball. they they had the they had the statistics, <laughs> Adam.
2: anyone anyone who can see twenty twenty knows knows that Brentford was uh, was going to make a run of it.
1: Yeah, uh, they're, they're making a run of it right now. That's for sure. They actually have the worst run of fixtures in the Premier League. They've lost four in a row, taking zero yeah. points from 12. So it ain't over yet. They're only eight <laughs> points off the, the drop zone. So I'm not giving up.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of credit here. I think, you know, obviously Southampton, Watford, we both said Norwich are, are very much in the thick of things. But yeah, it, it is, I, I I think it's like, we both may have thought Newcastle, but didn't want to say Newcastle. Um, And, you know, Newcastle is obviously very much in it. I'm I'm shocked. Neither of us said Burnley because Burnley's was in and around the drop zone.
1: Terrible this year. So, so let let me ask you this question. Then you have a do over right now with what, you know, who are your three teams to go down on coming to you first, Sam, because you are not a Newcastle fan. I want to hear your objective. That's a good good point
2: what i would have said at the beginning of the year or what i believe will happen now
1: i would say what you believe now looking at the table
2: burnley and watford got to go watford just like too tumultuous with the manager turnover they just haven't shown mm-hmm. any promise honestly i'm surprised that sean dyke is still the manager at burnley do we know if he's linked with any uh, he's got to be linked with some rumors to get laid off there at some point he is the um, current bookies favorite to get fired since renieri left makes a lot of sense uh He's been manager there for a while, so we'll see what happens there. But those two are going down. I'm putting money on Newcastle getting out of this. A solid a January transfer window. Things seem to turn around after the last win at Leeds, and then I'm going to
0: pick Leeds to go on a poor run of form here. At... Ooh. Ooh. That's an interesting one. I like that. I like I... that. They get dragged down and down, yeah. Yeah. Leeds is just one of just like the hardest
2: teams to enjoy watching footy. So I would love for them to, to just drop to the championship, uh, have another classic rivalry, uh, the whole Leeds rivalry. Um, in the uh, championship, so, you, which so you're forget. voting with your heart, not your head here. It sounds like. Yeah, there's, there's not as much head in it, but I don't know. <laughs> it seems like the, the few games that I've watched this year, uh, it seemed like Newcastle had their number recently. Um, I yeah know. i could running. i could absolutely see them
1: going on a poor run of form down the stretch i think they already have yeah i think to your point that it's it's been you compare last season to this season and Leeds have not been a shadow of the team that they were i think a large reason for that is that they've been without bamford for most of mm. it. i think that's been yeah. a huge huge loss for them i think dan james has come in and done a really good job for them but they didn't fix the defensive side of the game over the course of the summer that's not the way bielsa plays he's going to try and score one more than you and they're just not banging in the goals. Like it's it's been too many goalless games for Leeds this season. So I like that. It's a good good outside sh- shot there.
0: Yeah, I like that as well. I I agree. I think Burnley and Watford go down, and I think it's Everton, man. Like I I think I think really? Everton can't survive this year. Yeah, I mean I I just read an article in the Athletic about why Everton has this image is kind of a bit too big to fail. You know, just because. In recent years, they've been a top 10, top eight team, but I don't know. Like, there's nothing encouraging about that side right now. Like, absolutely nothing about that team looks good. They've only scored 24 goals in 20 games. They've given up 35. So there's not really a facet of that team that is is producing at the moment. Uh, talk about a team with massive injuries. You know, uh, DCL was out for significant periods of time. Andre Gomez was out. Yuri Mina was out. Um, they've now lost... Well, maybe not lost, but Gilfie Sigurdsson has been terminated his contract. He's gone from that club, uh, although he's not, you know, the first name on the team sheet, but a guy who's been there for a while. Um, and yeah, I, I think Everton is free falling and free falling quick. And I think Norwich and Newcastle can take advantage of that.
1: I That's, a, that's an incredible um, pick there. I, I wouldn't have picked Everton to go down. I think they turn it around. I think it does depend on the next managerial hire for them. We'll probably get into Everton a little bit more here when we talk about the um, the bottom five, if you will. Um, but I think that it's going to be critical who they get as their next managerial hire there at the club. Definitely. There's been rumors about Martinez coming back, and oh, I don't I don't like that. Everton fans I aren't like that. that either. Yeah, I've heard Wayne Rooney's name tossed around a bit. I
0: don't yep. know I and, about that either. Boy, boyhood <laughs> lad, that would be an interesting one. That would be kind of like nothing to lose. But um, if you want somebody to unite the dressing room, Wayne Rooney is is a good pick
1: he is not beloved by Everton fans though um bailed on them very early in his career to go to man U. not 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 a cult hero there by any means i think like an Arteta I, would be more welcome yeah. back there than a rooney would be
0: i suppose so but like <laughs> bail is such a strong word like it, it's the same thing yeah. that wilfred zaha said when he was at palace he was like when you're 20 years old and man U comes calling when sir alex ferguson's at the helm like you you would have to be an idiot to turn them down so i don't know i think i think what rooney would be an interesting choice he's done a great job with derby as you could probably talk to a bit more sam like he's single-handedly kind of trying to keep them up even though despite that point seduction that they had god
2: yeah derby derby county is just going through absolute turmoil right now it's there i mean it makes you feel better to be a newcastle and Hull fan when you think about being a derby <laughs> county fan is, is all <laughs> i have to say on that front um only other manager I've, I've heard was linked was uh, Lampard. So if we're thinking about ex-players uh, managing Everton and coming in, that would be an interesting choice as well. Um,
1: yeah, I heard I heard that too. And the big rumor that's going around this week for Everton um, is that we have, sorry, I got my notes here. You have Victor Pereira coming in, ex-Porto manager is somebody. He apparently did an interview on Sky Sports uh, this week where he talked about how um, Everton had interviewed him and he's like, I, it'd be great if they could just make up their minds. <laughs> <laughs> he sounded like a right douchebag on in that interview and Everton fans did not love it. So um, surpri- I'd be surprised if they move forward with them. The board can do no right currently with Everton Football
0: Club. Yeah. Everton is a, a dumpster fire at the moment uh to, to to transition there to a team that is certainly not a dumpster fire and maybe whatever the antonym of, of dumpster fire is uh champion predictions uh we can kind of run through this pretty quickly because there's not a lot of debate <laughs> on if I want to change my prediction now but uh credit to you Adam you you chose Manchester city uh, in preseason I a fool. A fool I was choosing Chelsea with their glamour signings and coming off a Champions League win, but uh, Manchester City will walk away with the Premier League title, uh, and I think it'll be pretty easy.
1: Yeah, I think I'll stick with my pick too. Um, I mentioned before the pod started, I picked City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man U as my top four. That is the current top four with Chelsea and Liverpool switched. Um, obviously not a great season for Manchester United. A little bit more stability under Rangnick right now, but ain't nobody stopping Man City. Sam, no. would you agree or you got a controversial <laughs> pick there. It's got to be Manchester City. There's there's no reason to stir the pot here. They're they're
2: incredible this season. They just click. I mean, Liverpool would have been a good guess at the beginning of the season too. Uh I mean, two out of the the bookie's favorites top 3 for player this season on Liverpool, but it's a team sport. <laughs> yeah, I I
0: I I would say one thing about Man City that has I think I'm locked a lot about them. And I I, I can't believe I, I wouldn't have believed that at the beginning of the season that I was giving credit to this player. But I think Gabriel Jesus being being put as a winger has completely changed that mm. team in the way that they're able to play. Uh, he very much never seemed like, you know, the, the heir to the Aguero throne. And I think credit to Pep for kind of understanding that he might've been playing him entirely out of position uh, because Jesus is a, is a really, really interesting winger in the sense that he doesn't, necessarily you know it, it's not like Salah or Mane where he's just going to beat you down the touchline with pace but uh the intelligence that he's shown and, and the ability he has to kind of serve balls across the middle has really impressed me so um yeah tip, tip of my hat to to Gabriel Jesus maybe not on the level of Aaron Ramsdale and the conversation of players that I was absolutely wrong about but uh Jesus is, is really kind of putting together a nice season for City
1: Yeah, it does a lot when you can spend 100 million on Jack Grealish, have him massively underperform, and still cakewalk your way to the title. Jack Grealish sitting on the bench
2: and coming in, 100 million million star coming in from the bench shows, shows some depth, to
1: say the least. Nobody is undroppable in that city side. And that's the nice thing about Pep. I think he rotates it so frequently that nobody bats an eye when that happens. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, locking it up. Uh again, we we did we forgot to make these predictions at the beginning of the season, but uh, I'll go to both of you uh halfway through the year. Who do you think manager of the season will be at year's end? I'll start with you, Sam.
2: Yeah, it's clear to me. It's David Moyes. Uh the just the amount he's been able to do at West Ham has has been incredible. I mean, their their run of form has been no one would have predicted that they're a top 10 team let alone top 5 this season and the fact that he's just been able to go in and and corral just just a, a squad to to make a run of it. it it's been amazing it's it's been a managerial feat of excellence some great some great players as well uh but it's the team's come together greatly
1: how about you adam yep. yeah looking at the table right now um you know no, no team has won their last 5 games only two teams have taken 13 from the last 15 one of those is manchester city the other one is the team whose manager I'm going to pick. Wolverhampton, Wanderers, Bruno Lag, uh, phenomenal season. Mm. Only 16 goals conceded by that Wolves team in 21 games this season. That's only bettered by Manchester City with 14. Um, Phenomenal. And he's doing it really without scoring a ton of goals. And he's getting goals conjured up from midfield. 34 points from 21 games, 10 wins on the season already looking like a Wolves team that might be an outside shot. Only three points behind West Ham, David Moyes who sit in fifth right now. I think he's done a phenomenal job with very low expectations on his shoulders and many thinking he would fail after um, Wolves lost their manager in Nuno Espirito Santo during the off season. So I think phenomenal overperformance. Another person I was going to give a shout out to is of course Graham Potter because I'm a huge Graham Potter homer. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Brighton doing very well this season on 30 points from 22 games gonna be comfortably safe for another season. But yeah, Bruno Laga for me. Zach? I love that.
0: I, I love that but neither of you said Pep Guardiola because I, I think it's one of those things where uh you, you always expect it to go to the manager that wins the Premier League, but we've we've seen this song and dance before. And I, I was gonna say I was gonna say Moisey. I think that he is contingent on West Ham making the top four. I think That's even true. if West Ham gets Europa League, I don't think David Moy David, David Moyes, David, David. <laughs> Moyes gets, David Moyes gets the, uh, gets the manager of the season. Um, but I, 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 I love that shout on Bruno Log, Adam. I mean, I've been proved wrong on, on Wolves many times this season and with the, you know, the, with the third lowest goal total in the Premier League to be sitting in eighth is, is unbelievable. So, uh, really, I honestly, I, I think it's, if either of those two teams can finish in Europe. Maybe West Ham is more contingent on Champions League, but I think if, yeah. if Wolves finish anywhere in the top five or if they win a cup, I think you're right, Adam. He will, he will take that.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, do you want to pick anyone different,
0: Zach? Or who are you thinking? Um no, I'm, between those two, I, I'm going to say Moisey because I really want West Ham to get top four. they They've stumbled in their last two matches. They've had two tough losses, especially their last match, a, a controversial win by Man United where Edison Gavani was probably offside and uh, VAR doesn't do anything right. So uh, Man United, <laughs> given given that win. But I, 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 think we'll, or I think West Ham outside Liverpool and City is the most entertaining team to watch in the Premier League. Um, and I really hope that he wins it.
2: It also just could be Pep, though, if we're being honest. It, I think really we, we want 100%. it to be a good story, but it could just be Pep at the end of the day. In uh, all likelihood, that that I do think you're just right. running away with
1: it, yeah. Yeah, especially if they're as comfortable as it looks like they're going to be come the end of the season. 55 goals scored for 14 against. I mean, plus 41 after 23 games is, is pretty incredible. Um, there's only ever been um, one team, I believe. Actually, sorry. I'll save that stat for another time gonna use that for an EPL Ooh. trivia so I'll keep that oh interesting
0: interesting <laughs> uh, all right all right cool all right um Adam do you want to go to your uh, clue uh for the trivia question uh the EPL trivia and then we will um we will jump into my half of the, the EPL talking points for today
1: sure um reminder for listeners who was the last team to field an all English starting 11 in a Premier League match your first clue was it hasn't happened this century the last occur the last occurrence of this was in february 1999 mm. cast your minds back gents to when you were just wee bairns. Uh-huh. 1999
0: okay. i still think i know who it is i still i'm confident in this
1: okay
2: yeah i think i have a better idea now but- okay I don't know. I, when, right. I listen to y'all, when I listen to y'all and you do the EPL, EPL trivia, I think I've gotten like one and eight, right? So I'm not very <laughs> confident in this, my this, is, to come here. this
0: is number two. This is number two for you. <laughs> I think we'll both say, I think you and I will both say the same answer. Um, I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen, but uh, all right, cool. Do, do you guys, should we take a commercial break or should we just keep on rolling? How, how are we feeling guys?
1: I'm feeling pretty good. You guys feeling good? Feeling loose, yep. ready to go. Let's do it.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, yeah, let's take it away from the Premier League for a brief second. And I want to give everybody a recap of where we are with the African Cup of Nations. It has been an immensely entertaining tournament uh, with red cards galore, as well as some genuinely some of the best goals I've ever seen scored in major tournaments, some just absolute stunners uh, across the board. Uh, and so where we stand as of this evening is uh, we are on to the quarterfinals, the the round of eight, if you will, the uh, round of 16 games concluded today. And so uh, a little bit of a break uh, between now and Saturday, which is when the quarterfinals begin. Uh, the two games that we're going to see on Saturday, the first one is Gambia v Cameroon the home nation uh, then followed by Burkina Faso against Tunisia and then on Sunday we have Senegal the the team I picked at the beginning of the tournament to come out victorious Uh, they are playing against uh, Darling uh, the Cinderella story right now which is Equatorial Guinea Uh, and then uh, also on Sunday uh, that's actually the second game before that game is Egypt against Morocco Egypt coming off a dramatic win today uh boys have, have you Other of you had a chance to to watch any afcon games sam i know i've been i've been giving you a lot of play-by-play as i've been viewing but uh curious if either of you have been able to tune in
1: i have not i've not been able to take any in um you did send me some of the goals and there were, there were two crackers in the uh the game that you sent me the other day um beautiful free kick just nestled in the top right hand corner that was lovely stuff
2: was that morocco versus uh, malawi yeah, yes. that was,
0: there was that was, so I was going to mention that that, game. that, that that was the game of the tournament for me so far. Uh, yeah. All three of the goals in that game, pretty spectacular. Uh, if, if listeners missed it, uh, the first goal in th- of that game, potentially the goal of the tournament scored uh, by Gabadinho Mongo for Malawi, a, like a, it was probably 40 yards out, I would say. Easy,
1: uh,
0: like yeah. a, it, it honestly, it, it, it kind of it immediately reminded me of the Giovanni von Brockhurst goal in World Cup 2010. And I would honestly make the argument that it was even more impressive because uh, Mongo had a player on his left shoulder and pretty much turned and immediately took the yeah. shot uh, from that same distance around that Ben Brockhurst hit it. So that was the first goal of that game. And then not to be outdone uh, after uh, his teammate Youssef El Nessi uh, tied the game up right before halftime. Akraf Hakimi with that free kick that Adam mentioned, just an absolute laser into the top corner. So that was an immensely entertaining game to watch.
1: Two shout-outs for Akraf Hakimi on the pod today. I like that. He's uh, he's garnering some he's great, so great favor with us.
0: He's yeah. so good.
2: <laughs> Could Morocco he, go on a run and, and win it all after after two of the greatest goals? I guess Malawi I really- had one, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think anybody could at this point, and that's that's another thing I was going to mention that's been so great about AFCON is there there has been such marginal separation between the favorites in the tournament and the teams that were uh, expected to not even put up a fight. I, I have to say a special shout out needs to go to Comoros, the, the tiny, tiny island nation that was able to get through their group and lost to Cameroon, the host nation, despite lost only two goals to one with... I will say Kamara scoring the other contender for goal of the season, a ridiculous free kick um, that was hit by, I'm going to slaughter this name, Yusuf Machengama uh, in the 84th minute, just a ridiculous knuckling free kick from about 35 yards out. Uh, but Cameroon's getting through to the knockout stages. And then uh, despite the fact that they had to play that game with their left back in goal because of COVID and injuries, not one active goalkeeper, they played with their left back in goal, suffered a red card in the seventh minute. And despite all that held the home nation Cameron to only two goals and almost tied it up at the end of the game. Uh, they've been really the kind of the crowd favorite. Um, but I'm still I'm still confident that Senegal can can make this run. They've looked very shaky in attack, uh, only four goals in four games, two of which came in their round of 16 game. Sadio Mane also went out of that game with a potential concussion, which is obviously massive for Senegal. But yeah, I'd, I'd have to say if I'm making a prediction right now, it's either Senegal or uh, or... Senegal or probably home nation Cameroon to, to go through uh, Cameroon, but the leading scorer in the tournament, Vincent Abubakar on six goals in four matches, which is pretty unbelievable. A player that was once hailed as the next Samuel Eto'o, um, pretty, pretty high, high place to be trying to be compared to arguably the greatest African player of all time. But yeah, it's been, it's been very fun to watch uh, AFCON so far. And if, if you guys have the chance tune into the games this weekend.
1: Awesome. I'm excited for it. Last eight now, right? They're down to eight, eight teams remaining quarterfinals. Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna go I'm gonna go with my uh my pick here of Egypt. Mo Salah just drags his team to an African Cup of Nations title. Mm, he very well could. He
0: very well could. He dragged them through the penalty shootout today against Ivory Coast, but Egypt has looked just very shaky so far. But I I again any, it's anybody's tournament to win.
2: It's just in the highlights that I've watched. It's so fun to watch these, just like Salah and uh, Sané just like absolutely destroy and the African Cup of Nations. Just like it's a,
1: it's a beautiful thing to watch. <laughs> yeah, Salah's a quite a player, as we mentioned earlier on the pod too. <laughs> hot take Salah, good at
0: soccer. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the podcast, Sam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now it's, it's been a fun one and I think it'll, it'll continue to be so uh, in in the last few rounds of the tournament. Now, the one other thing that we we've kind of dug into quite a bit uh, so far, um, but it is interesting in my mind to turn it back to the Premier League, mentioning that as Adam kind of alluded to earlier, it, it looks like it's, A five or six, I guess, to Sam with Leeds being in there. A six-team race to the bottom at the moment. Burnley uh, sitting at the bottom of the table with only 12 points. That being said, as Adam mentioned, they have many, many games in hand. 18 games played for Burnley. Uh, Above them, Watford, 20 games played, two points above Burnley. Newcastle, 21 games played, uh, one point above uh, Watford. And then Norwich, Everton, Leeds. Again, all with varying matches played. Um, Everton, um, or excuse me, Norwich is one point out the drop zone. Everton is four points out of the drop zone. And then Leeds is seven points out of the drop zone. So again, uh, really interesting to kind of keep an eye on that. Norwich, um, one of few teams in the Premier League to have won both of their last two matches, uh, including an unbelievable brace by American international Josh Sargent, Finally, finally breaking his duck with a contender for goal of the season, a scorpion kick, which was pretty unbelievable uh, for for their win uh, in two matches ago against Everton.
1: So a couple things I want to highlight here for Norwich. Um, We recorded the pod two weeks ago, and when we did so, Norwich had eight goals on the season. Uh, We talked about how they were going to struggle to even... Get as many goals as the lowest ever scoring teams in Premier League history, which is shared by Derby County and Sheffield United for 20 goals. They're now up to 13. They've scored five goals in their last two games, two victories, one against Everton and one against Watford. And the other market thing that I wanted to point out here is that Norwich have basically gotten two managers fired in their last two wins. Rafa Benitez was fired after mm-hmm. the 2 1 loss to Norwich by Everton. And then in the last game, Ranieri canned by Watford after a 3-0 home defeat to Norwich. Next up for Norwich, home game against Crystal Palace, who's sitting 13th right now. Patrick Vieira, should he be worried no. at present? Oh my God. Patrick
0: is doing a fantastic job with Crystal Palace. <laughs> Enough of that. No,
1: no, no. I don't know. Would you, would, you, would you take Roy Hodgson back over Patrick Vieira right now for Palace? No. That no. ship has sailed. In my i wouldn't i wouldn't either i wanted to be controversial but it didn't work out <laughs> but that's my two cents on norwich i can't believe josh sargent has scored more goals this season than joe linton has in the premier league that's just not <laughs> right
0: yeah it's been it's been a pretty a pretty impressive rise from the ashes for Norwich, and we'll, we'll see if they can keep it going i i think they'll be in and around the relegation zone for the remainder of the season mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't think they're going to be jumping up the league drastically, but you know, they've given themselves a good, a good shout. Now four wins on the season is two more than Newcastle has. That
0: is true. That is true. Hopefully, hopefully that changes pace sometime soon. Okay. It's been, it's been a lot of talking, uh, probably three Uh, parched mouths who could use a a quick runner break. So we will go to our first and only commercial break of the day. Uh, When we come back, we will give it to Sam for the whole city update that everybody everybody has been looking for and has needed for weeks on end. Uh, And then we'll wrap it up with 10 to 90 and the final EPL trivia clue and answer. So boys, we'll be right back. Hello everyone and welcome back to the 82nd episode of The Falls Nines. Uh, very excited for our next segment in which Adam and I can put ourselves on mute for a bit of time <laughs> and hand it on over to the biggest whole city fan who has ever come out of southwestern Connecticut. It's Sam Koenig, everybody. It's Sam Koenig talking about whole city. Sam, wow. I'm excited to hear what you have to give everybody as an update. Y'all, thank you for having me.
2: Another championship segment right after you had one. I believe you had a what was it a, a like a Bristol Bristol, like City. Bristol City, City fan, yep. which uh, I figured like starting this segment off by just explaining why the SB Nation uh, fan base should support Hull over Bristol was the way to go by making as many comparisons to uh, to Hull City and and Newcastle as possible. Um, I was I'm really right. digging deep for for just like out there comparisons to just. Uh, yeah, get your, get your vote as the championship team of choice. And then from there, just got to talk about the outgoing outgoing ownership of Full City and just how terrible it was. Y'all will be making some comparisons to the Mike Ashley reign, I'm sure. Uh, and then we'll talk about our savior, uh, Akun Ilakali, the, the Turkish Simon Cowell, as some people say, <laughs> to, to bring Whole City out from the dark. And into a top six Premier League team full of Turkish yes. players in the next five yes. years, emulating ah. Leicester City. So that's I that's what's it. on tap for for this segment.
0: Hell yeah! Well, Sam, th- to start that off, yeah, why why should Newcastle fans uh, why should Newcastle fans hold sit hold whole city in their hearts?
2: Yeah, Newcastle is the is to the Premier League as whole city is to the Championship right now. That's that's simply it. Their fates are are inextricably tied together. If, if you really <laughs> think about it, uh, let me <laughs> let me drop some let me drop some comparisons for you um, as to why you should care about me talking about Hull City for ten minutes. Uh, one's pretty simple. Like they're both teams that rely on grit and determination. Like they're not they're not known for attracting the best talent up to up to Hull and Northern England. And you know you got to rely on on the club's history and and who your manager is at the time. More so than anything else. It isn't like you're attracting attracting talent to London or, or Manchester. You got to rely on, on who the squad is and, and make sure the player wants to play in that system. That's one. I think that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is a stretch, and I like it a lot.
0: In, in, <laughs> it, <laughs> in January <laughs>
2: in January 2008, you all might remember, t- towards the early, early side of the Mike Ashley reign, uh, you might remember something called the Cockney protest uh, arguably arguably the start to the to the downfall of the perception of Mike Ashley as the owner of Newcastle. I think at the time he went like 56 mil in debt for uh, some some sort of or like he was buying the stadium or something he went 56 mil in debt. A ton of other stuff started going down. people started to realize he was the fraud that that he is. Uh, that Cockney protest happened against whole city wow what do you know in 2008 um (laughs) i was going to say uh i was going to say that uh they were both in 19th uh when i was preparing for this podcast but unfortunately newcastle had the uh critical game against Leeds and are have pulled out of 19th and 18th not unfortunately we're happy about that uh, the comparison there, <laughs> comparison there is that they're both scrapping right now for their lives. They they teeter totter sometimes between uh, the championship and League One for Hull, the Premier League and the Championship for Newcastle. When they go down, they go up quick. I'll say that. I mean, Newcastle's season when they dropped down to the Championship, they were just incredible. Like they they wouldn't lose. Hull last year, they just absolutely dominated League One. Uh, let's see what else I got here. We got the Steve Bruce comparison, four years at Hull, two at Newcastle. The exact same tactics, you might say. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to just hang up my hat there, take that for what you will. Um, and then just the most important comparison, which which we're about to go into in a second. Absolutely, absolute like tyrants of, of ownership before before the current season. Uh, with the takeover of the Saudis in Newcastle and the takeover of Akun il at Hull. Um Asim Alam, the ex-owner, uh, is out. Uh, Mike Ashley is out, and we could not be any, any happier.
0: Nice. I love it. I
1: love it. Yeah, those were good comps. I saw. I saw that um, Hull had a fantastic win at Bournemouth last weekend as well. Massive win for them, right? Considering Bournemouth, are in the automatic promotion places right now. So to go there and pick up three points, clean sheet for for Hull was was huge for for you guys.
2: Yeah, Hull uh, last two games have been amazing. Uh, there, the the game after the takeover was against Blackburn, who has also just been crushing it in the in the championship. And um, <laughs> uh, we won two nil. Uh, we won two nil. Uh, the fans were singing for the first time at home our our attendance spiked by like 6k overnight just sent news that the that the ownership was out uh fans were singing it was it was beautiful to hear i got to watch that one live because it was on espn plus in the middle of the day and uh pretty thankful for that so they, they beat blackburn they beat bournemouth away uh second and third place in the championship finally going on a run and turning things around and then then, unfortunately we sack we sack grant McCann uh, after two of the biggest wins of this season uh new owner wants to make make his mark pretty early um
1: yeah, I'd, which I'd, uh, I'd heard about him that he's um he's planning on bringing in a lot of the Turkish contingent uh, what are, what are your thoughts on that
2: uh he is it's been his dream he I mean he doesn't care about whole city to be completely honest he like he was shopping around like five or six Premier League and uh, championship teams just being like who should I uh, yeah, who should I buy? He land- and landed at Hull probably because it was a cheap thirty mil. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> same price as Trippier for for Newcastle, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Uh, but he has he has dreams of uh, both taking his uh, Turkish connections to Hull to go to games and taking Hull City fans to Turkey for a nice uh nice vacation mm. getaway. Um, so he's very very much in this for the. Uh, the what do you call it? The, the globalist approach, the uh, really diplomatic, okay. trying to to yeah international relations tie, tie those up between England and Turkey. He's the name that Sam.
0: Here. Sam one, one, uh, one reason to for Newcastle fans to support Hull that I, I thought you were going to mention um, that that may have have slipped your mind is the most recent rumor of a potential ex Magpie going to Hull City, a player that currently plays in Turkey. DeAndre Yedlin, no way. Have have been seeing these rumors. Yeah, I have not oh, seen absolutely. that. Absolutely, no, I, 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 I want nothing
2: see... to do with Yedlin. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> see,
0: see, I would I would typically agree, but I I think a, a pace merchant like him in the championship is a good player to have.
2: have. Yeah, it, just watching him on Newcastle over the years was just uh, was terrible, he's and dreadful. He's champion. He's a
1: championship level player. I think you know. I think yeah. he'll, he'll do he'll do a number for you there. Spe- speaking yeah. of speaking of championship players. For Hull specifically, Sam, who is the best player or player you'd want to highlight as a Hull City player that most of our listeners have have not heard of?
2: Yeah, you may have heard of him, uh, maybe not. His name is Keen Lewis Potter. He's a 20-year-old. Uh, some have compared to the likes of Eden Hazard. Uh, there's no way we hold on to him over the next five days. I think he's getting he's getting bites from Tottenham right now, um, but many people comparing him to the $150 million asset in, in his early days. And uh, wow. I think he scores, I think he has five, five and 16, something like that as a left winger, which is pretty great. He's involved in every goal, uh, just an exciting, exciting player. And and the quality of the goals are just, you could tell. He's he's the one creating them, dribbling one or two people, cutting it on his right foot and burying it in the bottom left pretty much every time. It's uh, He's a player to watch, similar to the likes of... I'm sure you know them. Jared Bowen now in the Premier League, Andy Robertson at Liverpool, and uh Harry Maguire, all ex-hole players who've who've come up through uh
1: through that team. So hmm. just I didn't, know, to... didn't know Andy Robertson was one of those. Oh, Andy yeah, Robertson is of under those. Bruce.
0: He played under uh, Stevie B.
1: Oh yeah, I guess he did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew about I knew Absolutely. about Harry Maguire, but yeah, some some good players back in the day there. You guys made a couple cup finals in the past ten years or so as well, and that's another Newcastle comparison. Lost in the finals, similar to how we did in the uh, early two thousands twice in the FA Cup final. Yeah.
2: Nothing like a nothing like an FA Cup run to just like absolutely deplete your squad and make the season the, the actual table <laughs> terrible to climb. But hey, you know we, we wouldn't change it for the world. What a what a run going up two two nil in the first ten minutes of that FA Cup against Arsenal a few years back, and then just throwing it away over the course of a painful painful hundred minutes after. Yeah, uh, wow. Uh, I think I'm I watched really that game with it. you, Zach. If I'm if I'm going to say.
0: I was gonna say we definitely watched that game together. That was a, that was a that was a tough one. That was a tough yeah. one. But whole city, whole city will be back soon, man. This is huge—a new injection of of cash and uh, a little bit more attention, a little bit more kind of prestige on the club. Maybe you can get uh, at very least, maybe you can get uh, Turkish German international Mesut Ozil to come play to come play in
1: Yorkshire. <laughs> maybe Emery will come out of retirement and and come play for you, and there'll be another Newcastle connection. <laughs> yeah it is that's a good comment.
2: yeah i mean the the successes is is what really blinded the whole city fandom from just like the terrors <laughs> of the ownership to be completely honest like some good football yeah. can make you make you turn a blind eye to some of the worst stuff but just like digging into the awesome all family just to drop a few things for you to compare to to the mike ashley reign uh he got rid of children elderly and disability ticketing prices and and concessions so everyone pays the same price doesn't matter your age or your disability status uh recently you know how the efl gave out gave out loans to teams for for covid he took the loan he didn't pay it back he used it as an excuse for why he didn't want to make any transfers getting promoted from league one into the championship i mean you gotta you gotta invest something if you're gonna stay up and in the championship and he just didn't even drop a dime really the only big transfer is getting Tom Huddlestone on, on a free transfer, the 36 year old who is only, only ever injured. Um, huh. and then, and then of course the classic, uh, wanting to rename whole city to the whole tigers. Uh, mm-hmm. the story, uh, it was mentioned in every whole, whole game when they were back in the premier league a few years back. But, uh, the story there is, uh, uh, he wanted to buy the KCOM stadium in Hull, which the Hull City Council uh, didn't let him do because it, it belonged to the community. He got pissed. He was like, I want nothing to do with the name Hull City anymore. We're going to change it to Hull Tigers. That, that was his thought. He hid behind, oh, you know, this is a marketing visionary move for me. Uh, I'm going to I'm, I know that every, every team, any respectable team across the country is going to change their name from City or United to their actual mascot. So the likes of Manchester City would be changed to the Manchester Blues or whatever the hell. And then just absolutely that did not happen, obviously. Fans were outraged. The City Till I Die campaign went on. Uh, fans chanting City Till I Die at every championship, obviously chanting awesome out uh awesome in response uh says you can die when you want to fans i don't give a shit so that is wow. pretty much <laughs> the relationship between the alam family and uh and the fans uh that
1: only other thing involved. to
2: the only other thing to drop and this is digging pretty deep but uh january 2018 uh we passed up on Mo Salah for two point five million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> because no. we thought it was too expensive. Only Hole oh. and Stoke were in the running for him. And we just we just turned we just turned away from him. And we all know what, what a player he has
1: been since then. Yikes, that's not that's good. Unreal. That's not good.
0: Oof. that's unreal well thank you sam for that that very comprehensive rundown of why we should support whole city and i i do like I, I genuinely think there are a lot of parallels to be drawn uh in the current state of the clubs the the historical kind of like place of those clubs in, in English football so yeah quite quite enjoyed that and again like glad glad that it's coming at this time with with brighter with brighter days ahead for for the whole city tigers absolutely happy to happy to jump off my
2: soapbox and appreciate appreciate y'all listening
0: yeah love absolutely. it good i'll be i'll
1: be
2: rooting
0: for all the rest of the season here i love it um so what well, let's dive into 10 and 90 uh to to wrap up today's episode i know it's it's getting late and you know i have not had dinner yet so uh, i would like to to have some chicken before before i go to bed uh i want to start for 10 and 90 today guys because
1: Believe this or not, I have some whole city related questions to ask Ooh. both of you. Should I be answering these or are we really just trying to catch Sam out here? Is that the goal?
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll go for Sam. I'll, I'll aim at the throat here and see after all that impassioned speech, how much of a whole city fan really. Oh out.
1: God. Oh, I'm going to love this. I'm, I'm going on mute. Here we go.
0: Yeah, okay. So uh, again, whole city questions uh, to ask you today. Sam, I'm I'm quite excited uh, for this one. And yeah, we can go right into it. Um, and I actually I have one question. Let me start out with my one question that is completely not whole city related that I'll ask both of you. And we, we kind of somewhat tiptoed around this earlier, but I heard this on the TIFO football podcast earlier this week. Um, with all of the firings and hirings in the Premier League this year, can both of you tell me who is the longest tenured manager currently in the Premier League and how long he has been at his current
1: club? Ooh, I have to look at the table. Let me see if I can figure that out. Um, Sam, do you have any
0: guesses right off the top?
2: I don't. Off the top, I'm pulling up the table too.
1: It would not shock me. Ooh. Mm. It could easily be Pep or Jurgen Klopp. Klopp would be my only guess,
2: but I feel like Zach wouldn't ask the question if it was Klopp.
0: All right, let's lock in some guesses here. Who do you guys think it is?
1: Put me down for Klopp. Yeah, screw well, it. I'll go for him. Sh- I'll go. I'll go for Sean Dyche. Ah. Sean Dyche is the correct answer, That's and it's wild. not even
0: particularly close. Sean Dyche has managed Burnley for nine
1: seasons. Wow. There you go. Wow. Yep. I saw. He, I, I was looking more towards the top, and then I saw Burnley sitting in their twentieth, and I'm like, wait, it's Sean Dyche. It is. <laughs> so there it, you is go. Definitely, it is. Hopefully, he makes it to ten.
0: It is yep. most certainly Sean Daish Okay, now let's get into some Whole City-related questions for you, Sam Koenig. Uh, starting off with question number one, and I'll give you five years on either side. What year was Whole City founded in? Uh, 1906 you you got that within the span 1904, it's like 1903 it's actually, okay it's 04, 04. it's actually on the whole city emblem it, right yeah. beneath that tiger's head is the number 1904 uh and believe it or not the significance of that number is the year that they're founded um <laughs> okay whole city founded in 1904 obviously nickname is the tigers as you mentioned sam they currently play at the k-com stadium uh having moved there in the year 2002 after 56 seasons at what stadium? No idea. That's a good question. Whole City played their football prior to the Kcom at Booth Ferry Park. <laughs> Is that where the rugby team played? Is that what was going on? I think that might be the case. Booth Ferry yeah. Park. I love that. That's such an That's English a- name for a hilarious. stadium. Yes. <laughs> um Sam, what was the, the question number four-ish, I guess? Uh, what was the first year that Hull City was able to play in the top flight of English football? Uh, 2008. 2007-2008 is the, okay. the correct answer there. Um, and can you tell me how they got uh, to the Premier League? Did they win the championship? They did not. It was, it was in the playoffs. Correct correct who did they beat in that final do you know this is out of curiosity i don't know i don't know i wasn't a supporter back then
2: gotta, gotta be
0: honest it was it was one year before fifa 09 so i'll give you a pass <laughs> on that <one. laughs> Oh man um okay sam uh can you tell me I, I guess this is kind of my quasi final question. Uh, can you, or actually two more questions. Can you tell me the year that whole city had their highest league finish of all time? And then can you tell me what that finish was?
2: Are you saying like highest league finish in, uh, in out the of all league. of the leagues? Uh, now, they, in the finished, league. they finished 16th under the Bruce reign. I'll throw out 2016, 2017.
0: Great guess. Uh, so you are correct. Their highest finish in uh, their time in the Premier League was 16th. It was actually in 2013, 2014, uh, which is also first. notable. Which is also notable because that year, 2013, 2014, they that was the gate. That was the year that they reached the the final of the FA Cup. Yep. Correct. Correct. Uh, okay. And final question here for you today, Sam. Can you tell me? Uh, can you tell me in the in the in the 2000s, so going from 2000 until now, uh, there have been what is it one, two, three, there have been four times that a player has scored over 20 goals for whole city and three of those times, Three of those times that somebody exceeded 20 goals for Hull City in a a campaign happened uh, in the last decade, the 2010s decade. It happened in the year 2015-16, in the year 2018-19, and in the last season, 2020-2021. Can you tell me who those three players were that scored 20-plus goals? And we can start with 2015-2016 while Hull was still in the Uh, Prem. 2015-2016. was it Abel Hernandez? Correct. Abel Hernandez nice. put up twenty-two goals for a whole city. Unbelievable. Quality Damn. player,
2: quality Uruguayan international. Uh, yep. Used to play on a Palermo, I believe, and now is just—I have no idea. I wonder what
0: he's he plays do. for. Plays for Mexican club Atlético San Luis. Mm, of course course um okay sam 2018 2019 what whole player put up 22 goals that season
2: ah uh, this is exhausting because i know i know the next one uh so who was on that team i'm totally blanking right now was it like camille grasiki no he didn't no, score somebody... though he was a uh, winger. I'll,
0: I'll... I'll give you a layup. It was somebody that you have mentioned uh, in excess this podcast. <laughs> that makes it so much worse. Oh, my God. Uh God.
2: I'm going through all Hull's, the people that I have not was, mentioned he, this podcast he, right now. No, no, no. <laughs> you,
0: you've met, Yeah, exactly. You've mentioned him <laughs> many times. He was Hull's leading scorer three seasons in a row from 2017 until 2020. Is it Jared Bowen? It is Jared Bowen. Okay. Jared Bowen I thought he is, was going to
2: be the next one. Okay absolutely okay fair. so
0: who, well he was so Jared bone couldn't be the next one because the next one was in the year 2020 2021 uh when Jared bone was already at west ham who was the leading scorer for hull uh last season and he got 20 22 he got 22 this is gonna kill me
2: oh man you're gonna have to tell me this
1: one wait I is don't. it honey is it Honeyman? it's not Honeyman. it is not it's not it Mal- Honeyman, it's, it's Malik same. Wilkes. It's Malik Wilkes,
2: yeah. I should have gotten that, but I mean, he's just doing so poorly this campaign that just like anything that he did well last season has been has been blinded. Uh,
0: just... <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> That, that is fair enough. Uh, before I close out here, Sam, I want to make a shout out to uh, one of your and my uh, collective favorite Hull City players of all time, a player who <laughs> in in the year 2013-14, when Hull City went to the FA Cup final, he led Hull City in goals with six goals. He was the top scorer on the team with six goals. And that is Hull City legend, Matty Fryatt.
2: Matty Fryatt had to be had to be a great finesse yeah. shot in FIFA 09.
0: Uh, that so was actually we, FIFA
2: 12 being honest, he didn't join until then.
0: That's what we all remember him for. Well, well done on that, Sam. Uh Adam, I will I will let it off to you to to go with your 10 and 90. Actually, Sam, did you did you write up any questions for today? I did not. No. That's a, that's okay. That's, all good that's quite alright. Adam, Adam, do you want to yeah. dive into yours before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, let's do it. So, um I don't know if you guys have seen Disney's Encanto yet, but one of the very famous songs from that movie is We Don't Talk About Bruno. So today, I want to talk about Bruno, uh Bruno Guimarães, who is okay. linked with a move from Lyon to Newcastle. So, here's your Bruno facts. Where was Bruno born in November 1997
0: in Brazil? Probably where, Portugal, Portugal or, or Brazil. Brazil.
1: <laughs> Do you want to know exactly where in Brazil? I'd, I'd, like know, I'd like to know. I'd like to know the specific city. He he was born in Brazil. Yes, where was
0: he? Where was he born? I will guess the only city in Brazil yeah, that I've ever been to, which is Rio de Janeiro. One for one. Good job, guys. Um, cool. All right,
1: Bruno shot in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Currently plays for Lyon in League One. But in which league did he play prior to signing for Lyon?
0: Oh, oh blah, 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 blah. did he, did he play in the Brazilian Premier league?
1: He did, but not immediately before signing for the, he in Italy? He was, he was in Serie A for Atletico Paranense. Really? Yes. Correct. Fascinating. Yep. Nice. So he played in Serie A well, right before he signed for Leon in 2020. How many full international caps does Bruno have for Brazil? I'll give you two either way.
0: I will go with 17. Uh, 32.
1: He's a late starter for the national team. He's only played for Brazil three times. His first cap was in November 2020 for um, Brazil against Uruguay. All right. So in, in 137 professional club appearances since his debut in 2015, he was only 17 years old actually, how many goals has Bruno scored? in 137 appearances in club football i'll give you three either way for this
0: how many games did you say it was
1: 137
0: i know that he is a like kind of a number eight type type midfielder he's known to go forward so i think he's scored a decent amount of goals let me go with 25 goals
2: Yeah. I was going to say like he scored one in every five games or so, but I think it's higher than that. Uh, he's got a strike. I'll say 32 again.
1: All right. Um, you guys are both way off here. He's only scored eight in 137 appearances, not known as a goal scorer whatsoever. Actually one of the weaknesses of his game, um, known as a midfielder that will basically a box to box midfielder, but more creative than that. Um, that said only 13 assists, in that same time span 137 Hmm. games yep okay very very good at kind of winning possession back kind of like a I mean much better than him obviously but very much like kind of an Isaac Hayden mold mold Mm -hmm. but willing to get forward a little bit more than than Hayden does all right this is my favorite one final question question number five Bruno has always worn the number 39 jersey for all club teams he has played for why if you don't know it it's it's going to be almost impossible to guess i can i can give you the answer if you'd like
0: i'm gonna go with i I have no idea if this is true i'm gonna go with that was the age that his favorite player of all time
1: ronaldinho retired at (laughs) it's a good shout i like that um i'll I'll read you i'll read you the quote from the article because it's fascinating the midfielder is wedded to the number 39 which was the number of the taxi his father used to drive for over two decades on the streets of Rio de Janeiro. Oh, my God. That's Ah, amazing. That's hilarious. So there's more. Him wearing it actually started off as a coincidence when Atletico handed him the number earlier in his career, and he immediately fell in love with it. It became so important to him that he pleaded with Leon to hand him the number, even though league-on-squad numbers usually don't go above 30 and they had to get special permission from the league to grant his wish to wear the 39 jersey. Oh, that's amazing. And good news for Toon that's fans, fact. it's available it's, right now.
0: It's open. It's open. <laughs> Let's go.
1: I love that. <laughs> so expect him to wear the 39 jersey if he does sign for the tune. All right, Sam, you've listened to the pod before. Zach, I'm banning you this time because I'm fed up of your terrible pronunciation of Welsh I'm words. Not very good at this. <laughs> Sam, you're you're going to go ahead and see if you can pronounce this Welsh word for ah, me. I'm spell it for you. G W R A I G. You can write it down. G W R A I G. Uh Greg. <laughs> Greg. It's not a, not a bad effort. <laughs> Greg.
0: It's, it's
1: guraig. Uh, guraig. And it means, guraig. it means wife. Ah, Yeah. As in, my wife will guraig. kill me if I don't wrap the pot here soon. With that in mind, EPL trivia. Let's go ahead and get the final answer out here. Um, clue number two. Um, again, just to recap the question, last team to field in all English, starting 11 in the premier league match. It occurred in February, 1999. Here's your final clue. It's a current premier league team.
2: I think I know. I all think right. I know as well. And I think Zach knows. Yeah.
1: Should we let Sam go first then? As the I, guess. Think I think it's Aston Villa. Ooh. As a, Zach, do wow. you have another wow. perspective? That was, is that I what you were going
0: to say? Was, no, I was going to say the Arsenal.
1: Arsenal, interesting. Uh, Sam, well done, sir. You are absolutely correct. Aston Villa wow. is the correct answer. Um, kind of bonus stat for you here. The other thing interesting about that. the year, calendar year of 1999, it was the first time that we'd ever seen an all-foreign Premier League team fielded. And that was by which team on Boxing Day 1999? It was the first team to have no Englishmen in their team.
2: What was the date? Uh, So um,
1: December 26th, 1999. Same calendar year, different season. Who would you imagine would have a ton of foreigners in their team in the late 90s, early 2000s? Who?
2: Be hilarious if it was also Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> it was not <laughs> quite, some, quite quite some turnaround. <laughs> In a Massive
0: turnaround. Aston Villa has fired all of their English players. Um
1: <laughs> That'll be Hull uh, City soon was, with the with yeah, the Tur- Turkish. Turkey, exactly. <laughs> um
0: I I was gonna say I was gonna say Chelsea, but that I don't think it's them. You should. Let's you go. Should say
1: that too. Oh. Is it? Chelsea? The answer is Chelsea. <laughs> really, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Chelsea wow. first team to field an all foreign eleven in the Premier League in 1999, December 1999. Well done, Zem. I'm very impressed. You both had some good good answers there and for EPL trivia. So well done.
0: That was fun. That was a good round. That was a good round. And what an episode it was today. Uh, as always, Adam and I not keeping the episode under one, under one hour. Uh, it's never been done and it probably never will be, but this, <laughs> this time, this time it was for good reason. It wasn't just due to our rambling. Uh, fantastic having you on the pod today, Sam, really appreciate you coming by.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Adam and Zach. It's been an honor. I uh, can't wait to, can't wait to keep listening and be number one fan over here. Ah, oh, that's awesome. And I'll,
1: I'll I'll leave you guys with a fantastic stat, perhaps my favorite stat from last weekend. Kyle Walker Peters is the first player with <laughs> Kyle Walker in his name to score a Premier League goal against a team also including a player with Kyle Walker in his name. <laughs> I did <see laughs> phenomenal stat.
0: Unbelievable stat. Yeah, that's legendary work by 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 KWP. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Sam, pleasure to have you on. Uh, Looking forward, hopefully, to get you back on the pod again sometime soon.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Nice meeting you, Adam. You
1: too, my friend. All right, lads. Until next time. Footy. Footy.